This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Hi there, my name's Brad Koneman. I'm one of the pastors at Anchor City. Welcome to Anchor Online. Uh, It's great to have you joining us today. And especially if you're new or joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, We'd love you to sign in and leave a comment in the chat. Um, We'd love to know that you're joining us. And we'd love to connect with you and help you find home in our church family, even in this lockdown season. To all of our church family out there at City and Southwest, we love you. We miss you. Uh, We'd love to see you back face-to-face on the other side of this lockdown. Lockdown is hard. Uh, We're all experiencing the monotony and difficulty of Groundhog Day. Uh, Lockdown life, just the same thing repeated every single day. We're all experiencing the loneliness of being separated from the people that we love, from friends and church community, from family. We're all experiencing the challenge of working from home and some of us trying to do home learning with kids as well. It is difficult. I was reading this week online on the ABC uh, an article that interviewed a clinical psychologist, Alexandra Howard, uh, who's also a trauma specialist, and she claims that this lockdown we're going through in Sydney at the moment is actually the hardest we've been through so far for a number of reasons. Uh, She claims that we paced ourselves for 2020 but we just weren't ready to come back into lockdown this year. Uh, The first time around, it was a novelty. You know, we were all baking our sourdough and setting up home gyms and embracing the novelty of it. Uh, But this time, we're going through it with the cumulative stress of the last 18 months. And so what it means is that we're all more exhausted, more frustrated, more depressed than ever before. Lockdown is really hard. And when life is hard... It's difficult to trust God. It can be hard to trust God. Is he really there? What is he doing? Does he care? Is he going to come through? And today, as we continue our series through Exodus, we're going to see that Israel is faced with a very similar dilemma. When life gets hard, it can be really hard to trust God. Does he really care? Is he powerful? Can I trust him? And what we're going to see is that in every hardship, there's an invitation for us to experience God's formation. In every hardship, there is an invitation for us to experience God's formation. So I'd love for you to pray with me as we um, prepare to work our way through Exodus chapters 5 and 6. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would prepare our hearts now. Uh, We still ourselves before you in your presence and we invite you to speak to us. We, We ask that in the difficulties that we're experiencing, in the hardships that we're facing in lockdown, that you would remind us of your character and that you would build our resilience and character through these difficult times. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well... Last week, uh, our brother Arnaldo Santiago, uh, lead pastor of Anchor Southwest, Arnaldo looked at the famous story of Moses encountering God in the burning bush. And God revealed himself to Moses by his personal name, Yahweh. 
and he sent Moses to be the liberator of his people Israel, to bring them out of slavery in Egypt. And we saw that Moses was very reluctant. He had five objections to why God shouldn't send him and in the end just said, God, choose someone else. Someone else, anyone else will do. He was very reluctant. But in the end, Moses goes back to Egypt and he tells the people of Israel God's plans and commitment to rescue them and shows them some miraculous signs that God has given to Moses to prove his authority. And very interestingly, at the end of chapter 4, in verse 31, God says that the people believed and that they worshipped him. And I want you to take note of that response because we're going to see a very different response later on in chapter 6. But at that point, they believed and worshipped. Now, in chapter 5, we're going to see Moses appear before Pharaoh. Let's see what happens. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what Yahweh, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. How does Pharaoh respond? Who is Yahweh that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know Yahweh and I will not let Israel go. Now remember, Pharaoh is one of the most powerful people on the earth at this time. He was the king of Egypt and considered to be a god. And so the idea of his slaves appearing before him and the god of his slaves making a request to, hey, let's free us from slavery, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, There's just such a power imbalance there in Pharaoh's mind. I'm the divine king. Who are you? It would... As I was thinking about this, it would be a little bit like me going to the Olympics and we've been watching the swimming on the TV with the kids, watching the Aussies get some gold this week. It would be a bit like me turning up poolside saying, let me in the pool. I want to have a race. And all the, the you know, big Aussie blokes there, all the swimmers like, Who's, who are you? Why are you here? Security, there's some widow in his speedos, rubber ducky. Get him out of here. Who are you? From Farah's perspective... Moses and Aaron and Yahweh, they're not even in the same league. Who even is Yahweh? Get out of here. What Pharaoh doesn't realise is that Yahweh is about to bring it. Yahweh is about, about to bring his mighty hand and crush Pharaoh and Egypt. What Exodus, the narrative of Exodus is setting up for us is really a battle between two divine kings. Pharaoh, the divine king of Egypt and Yahweh, the divine king of Israel. And it raises a question, at, this is really the start of the battle, the start of the conquest, the contest. Who is the true God and king over all the earth? Pharaoh, he says, get back to work, you lazy Israelites. The Egyptian economy was, it was built on slavery, and so Moses and Aaron are requesting their freedom to go out let my people go. It actually threatens to undermine the whole Egyptian economy. And so Pharaoh decides to crush this movement and punishes Israel. One of the, the, their hard labours was building bricks for the, the Egyptian construction industry. And Pharaoh decides that he'll stop them giving them straw for building these bricks, uh, but that, to maintain the same quota of bricks that they've got to build. So he's effectively doubling their labour. They've got to go and find their own straw, but still bring in the same number of bricks. And, of course, the people just can't meet these hard quotas that are put on them. The Israelite foremen over the people are beaten by Pharaoh's slave drivers, and Pharaoh accuses the people of laziness. It's a classic system of oppression. 
You know, when the oppressed rise up seeking their freedom, the oppressor just seeks to push them down harder so that they don't get any more ideas about rebellion. And of course, you put all the blame on the oppressed people. Now, Pharaoh thinks that if he works them harder, then they'll stop paying attention to the lies of Moses or thinking about their freedom. And it seems to work. It seems that Pharaoh breaks the resolve of the people. Their leaders realise that they're in trouble, and so they go to Moses and Aaron, and they say this in chapter 5, verse 21. The people say, May Yahweh look on you, Moses and Aaron, and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. Moses then goes to God and blames him for all the trouble that they're experiencing in chapter 5, verse 22. Oh Lord, why have you brought all this trouble upon your people? It seems like God had promised to rescue Israel out of slavery, but their situation has only become worse. When life gets hard, it's hard to trust God. What are you doing, God? Where are you? Aren't you going to rescue us? Are you powerless? Don't you care? You see, the people expected a quick deliverance, but on their redemptive journey, things get worse before they get better. And I think this can happen in our lives as well. You know, we want things to happen quick and easy. We're okay with one week's lockdown, Gladys, but not five weeks going on 15 weeks. You know, we want the benefits of exercise. We want you know, fitness and a toned body and big muscles without the hard work that needs to go into it. You know, we want a delicious dinner, but we'd rather just chuck something in the microwave than have something cooking on the stove all day developing its flavours. We want things quick and easy, but the thing is that on our redemptive journeys, God will often take us through hardships to develop our perseverance and our character, to learn to trust him, not just on sunny days, but through the stormy weather of our lives as well. Through this season um, of lockdown at Anchor City, we've been doing a book club and have been encouraging people to read this book, Enjoying God, by Tim Chester, which is also what the ladies have been looking at in Radiant this year. And on Friday at Radiant, they looked at a teaching about how God uses hardship to form us to be more like him. And I was looking at this chapter myself this week, uh, the chapter, In Every Hardship We Can Enjoy the Father's Formation. And Tim Chester, the author, says this, Seeing hardship as God's loving discipline is revolutionary. It has the potential to transform our attitude towards suffering. God's using hardship to shape and grow us. We may cry out for help and we may feel like God is indifferent, but in fact, he's teaching us to trust him, to deepen our godliness and refine our faith. And all the time, he is ready to catch us if we fall. Lockdown is hard. Hardship is hard. We don't need to pretend that bad things are good. But in every hardship, there is always an invitation for us to experience God's formation. God uses suffering to grow our character and perseverance, to develop our resilience and deepen our trust in him. And as we go on today, we're going to see that this is exactly the invitation that God offers to his people Israel in chapter 6, as he reassures them of his character and his commitment to keep his promise.
So let's look at that together. Uh, In chapter 6, we see three aspects of God's character. We see God reassure them of that he is a God that pursues relationship, that he is a covenant keeper, and that he is compassionate. So let's work through these together. So first we see God reassure his people that he pursues relationship. In verse 3 of chapter 6, he says, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, but by my name Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. I think in hardship, we can often feel like God is absent, that he's hidden his face. But our feelings, as important as our emotional life is, our feelings are not always the best indication of what is true about God. The Israelites felt like God had abandoned them in their suffering, in their slavery as things got worse. But the truth is that God was actually moving towards them, pursuing relationship. Moses, as Israel's representative, had been given unprecedented revelation into the nature and character of the creator God. God had revealed his personal name, Yahweh, to the people, and he'd invited them into intimate relationship with them. Even though it seems like God was absent in their hardship, he's actually in it pursuing relationship with them. That's the first thing we see that he reminds them about his character. The second thing that we see is that Yahweh reminds them that he is a covenant keeper in verses 4 to 5. God says, I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens, and I have remembered my covenant. We recall the promises that God made to Abraham in Genesis, that he made a commitment to Abraham and his family to give them the land of Canaan. And Yahweh is faithful to his word. Whatever he has said, He's going to follow through with, he's going to do. God is a covenant keeper. And the third aspect of his character that he reminds the people of is that he is compassionate in verse 5. I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving. He sees their suffering. He's heard what they're going through. Uh, He's seen the cruel oppression of Pharaoh. And God is moved by loving compassion to do something about it, to rise up as their liberator. And on the basis of reassuring them of his character, God reassures them of his commitment to three promises in the following verses. The promise of freedom, the promise of relationship, and the promise of land. Let's work through these. First, God reiterates his commitment to his promise of freedom in verse 6. He says, Say to the Israelites, I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. While God uses hardship for our good, suffering is never from God. God hates oppression, he hates evil and death and God is always working to stop it. God will not leave his people stuck in slavery. He reiterates his commitment, his promise to liberate them, to bring them out into the freedom that he made them to enjoy with him. So God reiterates his promise of freedom. God reiterates his commitment, his promise of relationship in verse 7. He says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. In the book of Exodus, we see that uh, the book establishes a pattern of redemption. 
for God's people, a movement from slavery to relationship. The purpose of God liberating Israel from slavery is that they would experience a renewed relationship with their creator. And that's exactly the same for us. As God redeems us from our slavery to sin, it's so that we would live in an intimate relationship with our maker as we were made to experience, that he would be our God and that we would be his special people, his children. So God reiterates his promise to relationship. And thirdly, finally, he reiterates his promise to give them the land of Canaan in verse 8. He says, I will bring you to the land that I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am Yahweh. He's saying, I'm I'm a covenant-keeping God. I'm faithful to my word. I will bring you into that land of Canaan that I promised to Abraham. I'm going to dwell with you as your God. You will no longer be foreigners and slaves in Egypt. You're not going to be wanderers in the desert you'll at last come home, home with me as your God. And so in the face of their escalating hardship, as things get worse under under Pharaoh, Yahweh reassures his people of his character and his commitment to his promise. That in their hardship, there is actually an invitation that he's extended to trust him. So how will the people respond? Will they accept God's invitation Uh, to experience his formation in their hardship. Well, let's see. Chapter 6, verse 9, how do the people respond? Moses reported this to the Israelites, but, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and cruel bondage. I want you to think back to... The response of the people back in chapter 4, verse 31, do you remember I I asked you to take note of that? When Moses first appeared before the people, they were so excited, full of vision and expectancy. God's going to bring us out of slavery. They believed, they worshipped, they'd seen all these incredible, miraculous signs. But here, on the other side of hardship, are they still believing? Are they still worshipping? They're discouraged. When life gets hard, it's hard to, to trust in God. They didn't listen to Moses' words. They didn't accept the invitation to experience God's formation and deepen their trust in him. Now, the last thing that I want to do is blame Israel for their lack of faith in the midst of this cruel oppression. The blame is on the oppressor. The blame is on Pharaoh and this system of, of slavery in Egypt, not the oppressed. And I'm personally so empathetic to the situation that Israel finds themselves in. I know personally that when life gets hard for me, it is hard to trust in God. You know, I think personally of my own spiritual journey over the last two years. The last two years have been a dark valley for me of really struggling to trust in God since my grandma died in 2019. I found it difficult to trust God when I don't experience his presence. I found it difficult to continue in spiritual leadership over anchor when my heart feels like a desert. One of the things that encourages me through this is that God is patient and gentle with his discouraged and doubting people. God doesn't throw his hands up and say, that's it, Israel. The offer's off the table. I'm not going to rescue you anymore. You can stay stuck in Egypt. No, God's character is that he is a covenant keeper. He's committed to his promise. He's faithful to his people, even when they complain and don't listen and don't believe. 
But at the same time, God does not want us to remain in grumbling and unbelief. In every hardship, there is an invitation from God for me and for you to experience his formation, to develop our character and resilience and to deepen our trust in him. Now, I don't know what hardships you're facing right now, what loss or conflict or darkness is before you. But as we walk through the dark valley of hardship together, and as we struggle to trust God together, I want to remind you of his character and his promises for you, church, just as I need to remind myself of these things. I want to remind you that God is always moving towards you, pursuing relationship. God loves you, church. You're precious to him. He wants you to experience intimate relationship with him, just like a gentle, present, attentive father with his daughter, like friends walking together shoulder to shoulder, sharing life. And when we're isolated in lockdown, separated from friends and family and church community, this is good news for us. God is always moving towards us, pursuing a relationship. I want to remind you that God is a covenant keeper, God is faithful to his promises. He's demonstrated it in the past consistently. Every promise of God finds its yes and amen in Jesus. And God will remain faithful to his promises to us until the end. God will come good on his promise to heal the world, to get rid of sickness, to get rid of COVID, to get rid of death. God will establish his kingdom on the earth and bring us home to dwell with him. God is a covenant-keeping God. God will keep his promises to you. And finally, God is compassionate. God sees the hardships that you're walking through in this season. God is not indifferent to your pain. He personally knows all the trouble and hardship and distress that we experience as humans. Because he himself has walked in our shoes by taking flesh in the person of Jesus. God is full of compassion and comfort for you. He's close to you. He's close to the brokenhearted. Church, lockdown is hard. We're all experiencing uncertainty, loneliness, anxiety, depression, exhaustion, And when life is hard, it is hard to trust in God. But in every hardship, there is an invitation for us to experience God's formation, to develop our character and resilience, to renew our trust in his faithful, compassionate character. Maybe this week in your gospel community, as you meet online, digitally, on Zoom, uh, maybe that can be a a safe space for you to share the negative experience the negative emotions that you're experiencing in lockdown this time around. A safe space to share your struggles to trust in God and to re-centre on his character together. Anchor, we love you, we miss you, we're praying for you, we're here for you. I want to remind you and encourage you that God is using this lockdown, he's using all of our hardships to develop our resilience and renew our trust in him. Through this time, we desperately need connection and encouragement. So let's keep looking out for one another and we can get through this together. Church, we love you. I'm going to pray for us as we close. Let's pray.
Father, we confess that hardships are hard. We experience pain and uncertainty and anxiety and sadness and so much more. And we're grateful that we can bring all of those emotions before you. Thank you for being gentle and patient with us, faithful to us, compassionate in our difficulties. We ask that even today that your Holy Spirit would uh, be building our character, developing our resilience, renewing our trust in you, our faithful God. Thank you that in the end you are the one who holds us. You You are the one who carries us through this lockdown and all the hardships we experience in life. So please carry us, Father. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen.